Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where jiu-jitsu practitioners open their minds to new ideas and concepts about personal development, entrepreneurship, jiu-jitsu, and life. Our mission is to inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way to support you during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 136. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today I interview Calder Powers. He is the executive director of Guardian Project. For people who don't know, Guardian is a nonprofit organization that they focus on providing jujitsu to unprivileged youth worldwide. Incredible program. I had the opportunity to hear about for the first time back in 2015. I was listening to a podcast and the co-founder, Ben Kovacs, was there and he mentioned briefly about it. The interview was about something else, wasn't a jujitsu podcast. For like a few seconds and I just catch it because you don't hear about nonprofits all the time in jujitsu. So got in contact with him, look him up on Facebook and started developing the relationship. So they, they've been doing an incredible job. So I have a quick intro here for Calder. So let me get going. So Calder grew up in Oakland, California, where he faced numerous challenges during high school. Struggling with low self-esteem and depression, he turned to alcohol and drugs to escape his unhappiness. However, everything changed when he tried his first jiu-jitsu class during his senior year. Calder was immediately drawn by the martial arts' fun and violent nature and the sense of community and acceptance he found among his peers. Jiu-jitsu gave him a newfound belief in himself and a positive emotional state. After community college, Calder joined Claudia Francis Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Santa Cruz and continued to train Jiu-Jitsu while pursuing higher education at UC Berkeley. When he returned to the Bay Area in 2017, he volunteered at Guardian Project. Guardian's project's mission to provide Jiu-Jitsu training to unprivileged, underprivileged youth resonated with Calder, who has been with the program ever since. He has seen firsthand the transformative impact Jiu-Jitsu can have on young people's lives and help the academy expand in its reach to serve more communities worldwide. Calder is now a brown belt in Jiu-Jitsu and loves to train and teach. So please join us as we learn more about his journey and the incredible work he and his team are doing at Guardian Project. So we'll have the interview in a sec. We're going to have a little clip of our program, Adopt a Social Project program that we created for a jiu-jitsu tribe. And I hope you enjoy the interview. Do you believe that jiu-jitsu has the power to change lives and make the world a better place? Unfortunately, millions worldwide don't have access to jiu-jitsu because they are unaware of its existence or cannot afford it. That is where the Adopt a Social Project program comes in. This program created by the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects worldwide that offer free jiu-jitsu classes in their at-risk communities. These projects inspire, impact, and improve lives by utilizing jiu-jitsu as a personal and social development tool. Anyone can support this program with a 12-month commitment. Whether you own a jiu-jitsu academy, association, business, or individual, you can help make a difference. Join us in supporting the Adopt a Social Project program and help us bring the power of jiu-jitsu to those who need it most. Visit our website to learn more about how you get involved. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, inspiring, impacting, and improving lives one tribe at a time. Calder, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gustavo. Super stoked. Awesome. Man, let's start. Let's get straight to it. Let's talk about Guardian right away. Just let me know. What's the status of the organization right now, the mission, right. and then you're going to get into your, your story. But just all the listeners do actually don't know about Guardian's work. Let's right. do it. Let's talk about it. Awesome. So it actually would probably be best if I start more towards the beginning. So Guardian's a 501c3 nonprofit. It was started in Oakland. And basically the idea was um, the founders, uh, uh, Ben Kovacs, Joel Lennonfeld, they had this idea to... Um, basically almost create like a, like a jujitsu version of like the big brothers program. Ben was involved in the big brothers program. And so they found a space 
Um, they started as a jujitsu and boxing gym in Oakland, and it was actually an adult academy as well. And the way that it worked is the adult classes kind of subsidized the kids to train for free. It was a huge success. Um, we had packed classes, uh, so many success stories, which I'll, I'll share with you soon. And um, basically, we uh, were super stoked. So we ended up moving um, to try to accommodate more kids and just thinking bigger is better. And so we found a space in West Oakland. And it was probably one of the worst decisions we made um, along our journey, where we basically had tons of different classes going on. And the kids program kind of turned into an afterthought at that time. So it's funny because I don't know if you remember, but I actually met you in person um, around 2018. And it's a funny story because, um, you know, I was volunteering at the time and anytime an adult would come in, you know, I'd kind of be like, oh, are you new? Is this your first class? So I actually went up to you. I I remember. And I said, hey, how's it going? Like, you know, we have jujitsu here. (laughs) It's a great, you know, I was I was treating you like a new person, um, which is super embarrassing considering you've uh, won worlds. But anyway, so we basically moved uh, from our downtown location, which was really convenient with, uh, you know, just basically public transportation. And we moved to this area in West Oakland that, you know, in the the appearance of it was amazing. It had this huge mat space. um, And it was just, you know, the problem was it was in a really bad neighborhood. There was actually almost, I think, four murders that I can count um, that happened, you know, before we closed just in that area in the last few months. Um, and it wasn't on. Let me just silence my phone here. Sorry about that. And but it timing wasn't... didn't help either with uh, oh, COVID? COVID. You know, yeah, that really. Yeah. Definitely, uh, yeah. So we we started. I'll just try to make it brief. But we started there in um, November of 2019, and then COVID hit right around what, like you know, what is it, March or whatever of 2020. Um, and so yeah, just to make things short, we kind of you know, uh, I think honestly. Um, we uh the the building wasn't even up to code and we ended up um finding out through the city who forced us out and it was actually one of the best things that happened to us because it allowed us to reevaluate what was guardian about what is the mission and how can we best serve it and so today um we've basically built this um this model that we can implement into academies as a scholarship model so what guardian is is guardians a jiu-jitsu scholarship it's a way for kids to train for free um, we have seven projects around the world, and we look forward to continuing expanding. And I'd love to get into how it works and everything else. But um, it's so cool to talk to you because you know you're the founder of Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. You've worked with so many uh, Jiu-Jitsu projects, nonprofits, um, Project Ogadidas, uh, many others. And so I just feel like it's a, it's a great opportunity to kind of share what we've learned along the way, what you've learned along the way, and um, really being in this mission of, you know, helping kids get jujitsu for this bigger vision of jujitsu being one of the most transformative things can kids can participate in. Um, and, you know, the the problem is that kids don't have access to it. So, you know, I think that's the problem that we're really both trying to solve. So what year was uh, Guardian founded? 2015. Yeah, so I believe it might have been maybe 2016 or so. I was listening to a podcast, non-jujitsu related podcast. What is the art? Oh, man, I forgot the name. I haven't listened to that in a in a in a long time. But anyways, Ben uh, Kovex was there. He was being interviewed. He wasn't there. He was not there to talk about uh, Guardian at all. He was back and he was working on Twitter right back right. then. And and for like twenty seconds, fifteen seconds, maybe he mentioned. You know, I'm listening, suddenly goes like, oh, jujitsu nonprofit. Like, wait, wait a minute. What did you say? And then, boom, they went to a different topic. And I'm like, man, I need I, to reach I, out sorry. to this guy. I apologize. It just cut out for a second. So could you just repeat the last part? I apologize. Yeah, I think it might be my, actually my internet. So I was, so I was listening to it in the, some non-jujitsu podcasts. And I saw him talking about it. But he did for like 15, 20 seconds only. You know, the guy never got into it because it wasn't a jujitsu thing. So he said, like, yeah, and no profit, da, 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 da. And then they changed subjects. But, you know, right after I went to look for, I think they have his information somewhere or Facebook or whatever. And I and I reach out and saying, like, hey, we do some stuff here in Arizona. And I remember back then we did some fundraiser, did you know, did something with them. Uh, too, but started the relationship. It was awesome. It was just very random that I'm listening to a non-jujitsu podcast. He mentioned for like 15, 20 seconds, and I was able to to catch that. And mm. and then you've been in contact since. So uh, it's awesome. So how actually, I'm curious too, how, 
how does it work? How what's the process of like choosing the, the kids are being sponsored? How does it work? Yes. Yes. So let me just kind of backtrack a little bit. You know, I think um, our partnerships have actually really come naturally. Um, so, you know, uh, Ben has been close friends with uh, the founder in Baltimore, Carlos, um, who started that in actually 2020. And that was kind of the first um, expansion of Guardian. Um, and then uh, I believe the next one was Peru, which was actually a mutual friend of Ben and Carlos, who actually trained with Yamasaki. And uh, Salvador had already been working with the project in uh, Peru. And it just made sense because he was actually really interested in kind of how things were working. And, you know, I think what we've kind of found is through these natural relationships with people, we just really realized people are very valuable and that they would be actually great to partner with. So um, we brought on the Peru project uh, and um, then, you know, it's so I mean, that's just kind of it's been this very natural kind of way of uh, bringing on these academies where, you know, people have reached out to us and we've kind of it's it's funny, even the LA project, um, Nick started Omni Jiu Jitsu. And one of the first things he wanted to do with Omni was to create a place where kids could be training for free. Um, and so he was reaching out to me, we were just kind of going back and forth um, a ton on the phone and just kind of figuring things out. And uh, I eventually realized like, this guy's awesome. Like, you know, I'd love for him to be a part of this. So um, there's that screening process. And then basically we uh, have this partnership agreement signed. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to fundraise and generate a youth scholarship at that academy. So the kids that are really in need can apply for it. We have a um, application that makes it really simple. And there's so many lessons that we've learned along the way. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we kind of made a big mistake with originally with the original program was we were just saying free for all of the kids. So any parent could come in and sign up kids. And it kind of got us as instructors really feeling like, oh, man, this is super backwards. Um, you know, watching a kid pull off in a Range Rover, like, what are we doing? You know, this kid yeah. just got a free gi. Well, we're just training them for free. And, you know, they're taking a space yeah. of a kid that could have paid. Or at least, you know, they, they really had we should have had a way to, you know, to mitigate that rather than we didn't even have a way. So if a parent was like we had so many times, a parent would be like, oh, how much does it cost? And we'd be like, it's free. And that was a parent that was ready to pay. So, you know, the way that this works is a lot better because we have this youth application, we have the wait list, and it really ensures that the kids that are getting the training are the kids that are in need of it. Um, so that's been one of the exciting, you know, part of the, you know, um, we've been really lucky to partner with Sanibel. They've been helping us with a lot of the academies getting free, you know, geese and uh, gear to nice. train the kids. And I think what's really great about the model that we can implement this scholarship into existing academies is now we're not covering the cost of rent. Now we're not having to worry about all these various bills. Um, and we can kind of get a subset of kids that are training there at no cost. Um, another part that I really like about the the kind of newer model is that, you know, once the kids are in the program, they're in the normal program. There's not like a guardian class for these kids that are like, you know, the, they don't feel like they're the, the poor kids or anything like that. They feel the same as other kids. Um, they blend in and they get the same treatment, training and everything else. Nobody knows. Um, so those are kind of a few things, but I'd be happy to answer more on any of those. Yeah, it's the same thing with us. We started, I started in 2010. Mm. I right? started slowly. One of the things that we did in the beginning was helping with registrations, you know, for tournaments and stuff like mm. that. It's something that we scratch that, you know, we can get into uh, later when we start talking about a little bit more competition. Right. But one of the things that we experimented a few years ago is we start doing partnerships with the mental health related organizations, meaning mm. so we have a, an experience to work with this place called Resilient Health in Phoenix. So kids with anxiety disorders, depression at risk that can't mm. they can't afford. So we we started to do a pilot of utilizing jujitsu as kind of part of the therapy. So it's not just jujitsu, but they do work with a mentor. Mm. Plus, they have the jujitsu. So we do a six months program. We provide a gi, and we did in my school. Actually, I was the first one, the first pilot we did with a group of like five kids and five teens. And man, it worked out really well. Some of the changes you've seen it, and anyone that is watching the show right now, that you've seen not only your own changes that you know, but changes that you've seen people around. So you're like, wow, that kid changed. Now we figured out there was one issue and it was logistics because from Phoenix to to Tempe on the place that are actually the location mm. is it was kind of a drive. So they need a van for the for for the organization. So that was a it's a big hassle. It was pretty tough. Right. So even insurance I, and stuff are you know figuring out liability. Yeah, so there was too much. So we decided to uh to kind of expand and one of the things for people who are listening, maybe listening for the first time, 
I've been promoting jiu-jitsu tournaments in Arizona since 2000. I've been promoted since 98, but in Arizona since 2000. It's the Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu League. So what I did, I started to reach out to instructors that say different parts of town, like, hey, do you want to be part, part of this group that mm. you can donate from one to 10 people? Whatever you want. Just if you, if each now, when I came to Arizona, there's probably like six or seven schools in, uh, in 2000, but now there's like over a hundred. So mm. each one can sponsor one. Dude, we're good. There's a hundred people that did not have access to jujitsu and now they train. You just need to give them a gi. And after the six months, you do three months, they reevaluate, check in. Are they coming? Are they consistent? Right. Okay. Right. Then right. you keep going. And, right. and basically, you loan in the gi because of the finishes. If the kids stop training, the school keep the gi and then uh, let another kid use. So, so that's we just starting this format now. So when you have basically the organization tell us we have a kid in Glendale, Arizona, mm. I'd be like, okay, let's reach out to the schools that are affiliated with us that want to support, and then they go in and they can work with their mentor and see the difference and it's incredible it's it's really cool to see i had one of the like one of the biggest changes you know you've seen so many there too but i saw one of the biggest one was a 11 year old a girl that in the first day she was having a panic attack in the bathroom and she did not want to leave the you know the bathroom because she was so like freaked out of like being that experience she used to be you know bully and then a little overweight so all that stuff and that's the girl that flourished the most the one that ended up liking the most the impact uh was huge you know so this we can do that everywhere and it's gonna cost what one one student you know for and whoever school wants to give more awesome but this is a right. great way to approach to that there's someone i actually checking on them working on them and now our goal is to try to look for more mental health related organizations and mm. keep offering it and and see what you do. I've been I've been in one in in Hawaii and Maui with Eddie because Eddie oh, yep. was from from Arizona and I've done, we've done a, right. Yeah, we've done yeah. A, a fundraiser there, too. So he's, he's one of our guardian projects. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I can't remember last time I went there, but yeah, hopefully maybe um, I'm going to, we're recording this in beginning of March, uh, 2023. So I'll be in Hawaii doing a fundraiser at the end of the month. Sapatero uh, Jiu-Jitsu. We've done some, some fundraisers there before, mm. but yeah, let's talk a little bit about the stories, man. You know, like maybe some, Plus, what maybe some of the stories that has made a, an impact that when you think about change, you think about some of those stories. Absolutely. Well, first off, I just want to kind of give a shout out to Eddie, because that's another natural kind of uh, partnership that we came along. We were visiting just kind of on vacation um, in Hawaii back in, I, run, I think, 2018. And so Eddie was this guy that we visited. And uh, the first academy we went to wasn't Eddie's. And they wanted a $50 drop in. Um, it was just kind of like most of the instructors were out of town visiting something else. And it was just kind of like we all left like, oh, my God, we just paid $50 to like train one time. <laughs> And so we heard about Eddie's Academy. We go in, it was like the opposite experience where it was just like, oh, you know, you guys are welcome. Um, he was actually fundraising at his academy uh, with us on the mat for a uh, um, non-affiliated academy that dealt with a flood. And they were raising money to help them uh, to get new mats and everything else. So it was just like, wow, this guy's got like a heart of gold. He goes over to the um, merch stuff and he grabs like a bunch of geese. He's like, hey, take this back to the kids. And then he like invited us over to his house to like, he has this stream in his backyard. But it was just like, this is a full embodiment of like jujitsu culture and like what it looks like to have somebody who's, you know, so I can't speak highly of Eddie enough. Um, he has an amazing kids program over there. And when we were kind of thinking of expanding, I was like, I got to give this guy a call. Um, to some of the stories back to your question. Uh, there's so many things to talk about because I'm, I'm, I have even things to mention about your program in Arizona too. But um, I think that, you know, some of the most powerful stories are stories that we don't share. Uh, they're stories that are almost like too personal. And I think that, you know, if I use kind of, you know, I don't use the names and things like that, but we have seen tremendous adversity overcome. And I think there's almost a correlation between the kids that you really stick it out and need it the most to like how much adversity they're really dealing with. Um, we had a kid who was 16 um, and told me that he was uh, legitimately in the process of joining a gang. 
Um, and he began training. And I, I just really think that it was that other community, it was an alternative for him, that he uh, quit the process of joining that gang. And um, he's gone on to do amazing things. Uh, we have another student that um, was battling schizophrenia. And I had no idea. Um, and, you know, he confided in me. And this is another element of that mentorship that, you know, these, this is a place where kids can feel comfortable talking to adults. Oftentimes at school, we have this dynamic where the kids don't like their teachers, the teachers don't like them, you know, there might be trouble with their, you know, sort of families or not feeling comfortable talking to their parents about certain issues. But I think it's so important that uh, kids can have real mentors that are going to, you know, really just kind of listen to them and, and feel comfortable to share these kind of things with them. And, you know, the kid, I, I super, I mean, that kid was one of the toughest kids at Guardian, you know, going through dealing with that, you know, um, you know, the, the schizophrenia and, and being, you know, able to, um, he, he said that it was one of the few times that his mind felt at rest. We've seen countless situations. I mean, you know, there was a kid that was had a skin condition that was uh, being bullied really bad. And it's just an environment in jujitsu where these kids absolutely shine. And you can see it like you can see that they're, you know, they're, they're in their element. And once they start really learning and developing, um, I think that it's been one of my favorite things is to watch them really get hooked. And then they're coming up to you after class and saying, oh, what else can I do? You know, what can I do to, you know, my diet? How can I, you know, write me a workout routine? And um, it's so common. It's, it's, it's my favorite thing. So, I mean, there's, there's so many stories we've seen, you know, dramatic weight loss. There was another kid and this one, I feel a little bit more comfortable sharing more about because, you know, we did a video on him, but um, Devin had gone through over uh, 11 foster homes. Um, had a really, really tough childhood. I mean, he basically on camera, we, we have this video, it's on our YouTube, but he was basically saying that like, he was going from place to place. And he kind of knew that he wouldn't be there long enough to leave a mark. So it just didn't matter. He was just getting in trouble everywhere. And so once he had a place to go like guardian, you know, he was kind of moving around the Bay Area, but he could always hop on BART, come over here. Um, it's, I just think that every kid needs this so badly and, you know, whether it's guardian, whether it's another, you know, I mean, not guardian, but jujitsu and, you know, whether it's jujitsu or, or something else that they can go where they have a positive environment, where they have mentors, um, it's just jujitsu that checks all the boxes to me. For sure. And have an opportunity to visit those places too. I was in Brazil recently and we did, uh, actually we haven't released yet. We're in the process of editing, creating all the um, everything that needs to be done to release the videos but basically each visit will talk about the impact of jiu-jitsu but like in different topics you know from being from mental health or special needs uh, we talk about competition too because competition it's a way of poverty and not just poverty but like in in general self um, personal personal development and I have one related to especially with like drug dealing, drugs, drug mm. addiction, and then each one of stories that you like, you know, it's uh, it's wild. So it's it's important to share because it it's interesting. I've been doing jujitsu. I started jujitsu in 1989, right? So I feel like in my especially my early years when I was being competitive, and you don't realize at least if. Uh, I'm taking back, at least for me, since I was young, I, I wasn't doing like, oh, wow, jujitsu is good for me, for my personal development. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, now I'm trying to feel good about myself. I want to win a tournament. I want to, you know, I, I'm just thinking about that. I, I didn't know, like, how much was uh, teaching me. Let's put it this mm. way, you know, and in regarding to competition, that's something that I, I like to, uh, to kind of get your your input too, because I mentioned to people like we change our mission from, you know, before like, yeah, let's help out with tournaments. But then what happened is a lot of those guys, they put so much effort in competition. Next thing, their sustainability is done. And then like, guys, I need to get a job. We don't have a place to teach anymore. And the program is over. Mm -hmm. So like, well, no more. If I do for my personally helping, but through the organization, uh, we don't do anymore. However, I mentioned that, man, none of those kids, no one have to compete, right? Jiu-Jitsu mm. is this personal development tool that everything that there's so many lessons to learn when you train Jiu-Jitsu, we can go on and on talking about 
learning how to feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Sure, uh, problem solving, things that you need to calm down, being someone inside a mountain can just freak out and you cannot just freak out in life because it's not going to really solve the problem. You breathe, you relax, you reevaluate and fight your way back. The thing with that I see with competition is it's an amplifier. You know, it's everything that you do at the academy is just get amplified because now we got the mental, the emotional aspect that like, oh, there's an expectation now. You know, mm -hmm. it's one thing someone is on your back in academy and one is someone's in your back on, on a tournament. You know what I mean? So learning how to deal with them, well, it's easy to deal with success, right? But like dealing with the losses, not having the result, learning that they need to overcome that. So that aspect, so I feel that you don't have to compete at all um, to have the benefits of jiu-jitsu. However, if you want to amplify the power of jiu-jitsu, competition is a good way to do so, especially emotional. Not that you, you deal with that emotionally speaking. you got to deal with your ego and the academy and everything. But I'm saying like a competition just really amplifies that 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 tension you know of being there and the expectation and not knowing the the unknown feeling of a tournament mm -hmm. right yeah i mean i think that it's it's interesting because there's different ages and there's kind of like i would say almost what i would um recommend for different ages right like for the for the younger kids i think that the competition can be you know if they are it, it's funny too because like what's the end goal right are we trying to build better people that are going to likely stay in jujitsu are we trying to build world-class competitors i think sometimes there's going to be a different route for each one um i would say you know for the way i see it is jujitsu should be almost as fun as possible for the younger kids it should be something that you know doesn't feel like they're going to burn out and you know you can you can challenge them and you can make it you know hard training it doesn't mean that you'd have to like you know kind of nerf the class too much um but i think that you know around the like 14 plus age is where you can start dialing in that's where kids start growing their muscles more and um, I, I think that's where I kind of encourage it more, but I never make it a requirement. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's it's also, it's tough because it's, you know, it's about dealing with those losses and those losses are really hard to deal with. I think a, a huge reason so many people don't train jujitsu or even step onto the mats in the first place is because that that loss can be really hard to swallow, whether it's your first jujitsu class or whether it's, you know, out there on a competition mat. So, um but I, I I do like the competition aspect because it really gets kids focused. And when they actually start saying to me like, oh, I want to do a competition and we start, you know, actually signing them up for one, there's like a switch that changes and they start coming way more consistently. And it's just like, I think that I noticed that about myself is sometimes I'll even do competitions, you know, of course I want to win, but I'm just looking forward to the, the, the version of me that's going to be prepping, the version of me that's going to be training way harder, getting way better, eating cleaner. And so... Um, I think competition is fantastic. And I would totally agree that, you know, it's something that should be encouraged, but um, not to force kids or, or push them to burn out. Because at the end of the day, I just want kids to become better versions of themselves. I don't care if they win or lose. I'm, I'm happy if they win. But you know, it's like, if they lose, I just hope they learn a lesson and keep training. Yes. Now let's change gear. Let's talk about the your early days. And when you got prior to jujitsu, when you got mm. You know, before you got into jujitsu, yeah, what was going on? So yeah. let us know. The dark times. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I basically was a kid who had a lot of self-esteem issues. Um, I grew up in uh, the East Bay area, went to um, school for uh, middle school and high school in Berkeley. And um, at the time I was just, you know, I, I, my self-esteem was really low and I was just trying to, you know, have something to call my own. And I, I didn't. Um, I remember, you know, uh, basically using alcohol, drugs and things as a as a um, mechanism to pretty much escape the sort of being a depressed kid. And um, it's funny because I just I my compass was really far off from what I should be doing with my time and energy. I was pretty much, you know, failing school, um, having trouble in pretty much every, you know, aspect, uh, whether it was girls or anything else. And um 
it was just you know it's hard to be a kid when you just like are pretty much bad at everything and you know just feeling so i i think that there was a lot of issues there and it's funny because i i wanted to do lacrosse because that's what a lot of the cool kids were doing and i tried out for the team and i'll go kind of into um my issues with the current you know state of school sports in a little bit but i tried out for the team didn't make the cut then i was super bummed out from that and didn't go to school for a couple of weeks my attendance record was like unbelievable with how many unexcused absences I had. So just, I was just having a really hard time. And I basically, um, there's a Krav Maga gym that was nearby my house. I uh, went into it. And um, the reason I did was just because I was so terrified of being in a fight. You know, if a fight broke out at school and it was even in my vicinity, even if it was like 30 feet away, my heart would beat out of my chest and I would feel absolutely like, you know, and so I hated that feeling. And I was just thinking, well, Krav Maga was like kind of advertised as this really high level self-defense at the time. So I did Krav Maga for a couple of years and they had a grappling class there that I found in high school. And I found that in my senior year of college. And it was taught by this guy, James Mays, who is um, a black belt under um, Danny Marks and Danny Marks is under Caesar Gracie. So he was like, it was like a legit jujitsu class. Um, and once I found that class, it was so much fun. And I think that, you know, at the time I was probably, you know, kind of like wrestling around with friends once in a while. And I, I don't know if that kind of brought me into like, maybe I could learn a couple moves and like do a little better, but it was a pretty immediate, like the first week or two of like, I found something here. And it was a unique environment that basically every adult in my life at the time was, you know, telling me, Hey, don't do that. Um, kind of like you're a bad kid. And uh, it was for the first time I had adults that were actually kind of on my team. Um. And so, you know, I, I think that basically, uh, just to make it simple, um, jujitsu, you know, kind of gave me something to do. Uh, it gave me an, uh, an alternative community um, of, you know, a place. And it was really kind of a weaning off. So I, I uh, finished up um, high school, got lucky. There was a program that basically I was able to recover a lot of classes and get out. And when I did, I uh, looked at um, moving to Santa Cruz to do community college there. And I was so lucky to find Claudio Franza. And um, I trained there for two years, two and a half or so. But um, that was another environment that it was basically training at Claudio and doing uh, school was just like, it kind of covered all my bases. It covered my social life. Um, and it gave me a tremendous amount of discipline a belief in myself. It was, you know, it was just this entire, um, I, I really believe that there's this magic that we talk about with jujitsu. And, you know, if I gave you a pen and paper and told you all the positive benefits, it would probably, I, you probably couldn't even write them all down. Um, but when you get someone into that environment and they um, actually uh, have goals with it and a drive to, um, you know, to stay there, I think the magic just kind of does its own thing. And so that's what happened for me. Um, basically uh, went from a, uh, 2.05 of cheating in high school and like barely graduating to a 4.0 in community college. Um, and you know, without cheating, uh, and I, I just, I, it, it completely kind of redirected. I remember there was a lot of glass ceilings that were broken and you know, there's this one guy, um, Jesse and Jesse looked like, you know, Bane, uh, what is it? Bane from Batman guy was insanely, you know, just super, super strong, like, you know, 200 plus pounds. And uh, I remember looking at this guy like there's, you know, this guy would just, you know, beat me up any day of the week. And I started to train more at this grappling class. And I remember that, you know, he stopped coming. And so six months later, he comes in and I tapped him like three times um, in the first round. And it just it was like a switch went off of like, I thought these beliefs about myself were true. And I was totally wrong. And I just proved it to myself through action, which I think is the only really way that you can kind of change your mind about something is like, you know, actually seeing, seeing the result itself. So I, um, it was, it was pretty much this, this turning point of, um, what else am I wrong about? And, you know, I thought I was bad at math. I thought, you know, these things about myself and, you know, I had basically my eyes to the ground as far as my goals and, uh, different things in life. So it was this turning point of like, what else can I do? And, um, and really just kind of, uh, it was, it was this complete, you know, transfer and belief. So um, fast forward to uh, finishing up at um, community college, I moved back to the Bay Area. And that's where I um, basically uh, heard about uh, Guardian through a friend at Health Gracie Berkeley. I didn't know him super well at the time Ben started it. And I heard that they were giving jujitsu for free for kids. And I was just like, well, I'd, I'd love to just volunteer because this has done so much for me. I'm, I was still pretty young, probably 22 or so. And uh, 
yeah, I, it was just, it started volunteering and then just, you know, I, I fell in love with every aspect of it. So that's kind of a brief part of my story, but I think that, you know, jujitsu really, um, and everyone says this, right. It's like the most cliche thing of jujitsu, you know, changed my life, saved my life or whatever, but I wonder where I would be without it. Um, and it would be likely a very dark place. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned about like, when you start to question yourself, right. It'd be like, what, what else am I? Am I wrong about it, about myself, with the the beliefs that you that you have? And then there is a book called uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. If you if you're listening, if you are one of the hardcore listeners, I've done one of those final thoughts talking about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset, and that's exactly what that is—the fixed mindset. When you say like I and we all, I don't think after like like really studying all that it's not like is it a one or the other there's maybe a few things in your in your life certain areas that you're a little bit towards the growth mindset some a little more towards the fixed mindset but mm. that idea of like oh i can't do that because da, 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 da. and then when you start to reevaluate that and then now we start getting a lot deeper you know when you talk about self-image you'd be like wait oh, uh, when did you adopt these patterns? Who told you that? You know, like someone told you, you believe it. Like, yeah, I'm not good at this. Boom. Now it's official. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not good at this. And this book, Mindset, it really, she did an incredible research. I think this is in the 70s. Showing the, the difference of the kids, the more they got challenged and they're going to feel like they're going, they're dumb or whatever. They stop, like really taking the challenge and the kids with the growth growth mindset it'll be more like they're excited about like oh it's getting more challenging like what else how can i discover how can i discover this puzzle in a way so so i feel like this book is probably i want to say like for all the teachers out there like a top five book for you to to read the mindset because write the name down real quick yeah mindset carol dweck it's uh it's really it's really important and you you start to see like you start playing it it really is going to play a movie in your mind like oh wow you know like uh, of things that uh sometimes you like everything you can improve you know like maybe i used to say when i was a kid like oh i'm not good at history and geography i was like because i was right. lazy because i didn't want to put the time to it. i didn't want right. to you know so just like right. yeah I'm, I'm just not good at it you know and then right. i'll go to reinforce those thoughts i would get bad grades on that too so mm. it's kind of learning how to to reevaluate uh those beliefs and that it's awesome that you just present present that to you you know i had right. the opportunity and this is with so so many kids you know everywhere in the world so how was that uh so when you we started how was your experience when you start to volunteer you know how how was like that the beginning for you i mean yeah it was it was awesome um i was assisting coaching um and uh it was you know just a i think that i was basically seeing these kids that felt like they were me but just like you know four years five years ago or you know whatever and it was um, and you know, it was, it was so cool to kind of watch the same light bulbs. And it's one of the things that I really believe about jujitsu specifically is that like my path is not unique, right? Like it was, it was unique for me, but it's extremely replicable. Um, and you know, I think that if you take, uh, you know, any teen and put them in this environment and, you know, give them sort of a reason to stick around that, um, the same sort of, you know, the, the same sort of results and path will eventually take place. Um, so I, I would just say, yeah, I, I basically, um, was volunteering, um, kind of taking on more responsibilities. I remember there was a guy that had a camera and visited a friend, Alex. And once I saw that camera, I was just like, oh man, like maybe if I got like a really entry level camera, I could kind of help the organization taking a couple more pictures. Well, now that's, you know, now you can even see I'm using a camera to, to stream and everything. And it kind of, you know, um, doing the content, I think is an important part of it just in terms of like storytelling and stuff like that. I'm sure the same as jujitsu tribe, you guys have awesome videos. Um, do you mind if I ask, you know, uh, what, what was your why? I mean, of, of course I understand, you know, the, the reasoning, um, behind, you know, getting involved in these sort of projects, but what got you to take that step forward? I feel that I was just going through my personal development journey. Let's say I just, I always, when I lived in Brazil, I have, I actually have officially lived 24 years in Brazil, 24 years in the United States. Oh, wow. And when I came to US, I always had in the in the back of my mind, 
the idea of like doing something, uh, you know, related to some type of social work. It's just things like when I go back to Rio, uh, when you go to the city, man, it's for people who haven't, <laughs> haven't been there. It's a, it's a different place, you know, like definitely crime and stuff. That's something that uh, worries me, concerns me every time I go there. So it's just things that for me it was a, a normal thing to listen to shots. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh my God, there's shots. You know, it's, I I never forget it. I saw a good friend of mine, Steve Da Silva. He's basically one of the main reasons why I came to the US. We met in Brazil back in 97. So we became friends and 98, he stayed with, uh, with me in my mom's house for a little bit. And then after training at night, we're just watching to view used to live in a building, bunch of a uh, bunch of floors and, and then suddenly started like we have the window was open. He was sitting next to the window, was on the couch watching TV. And then suddenly just go like pop, 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 like loud. He jumps across me like to the couch, scare the hell out of me. And and then I look at him scared, like what happened? He's like, dude, there's shots. And I'm like, oh, oh no, he just comes shots. from the neighborhood from that <laughs> side. Don't worry. No, on this right. side here, the bullets don't get here. So I have a explanation for it like it's normal <laughs> like you know like dude that's right. not normal right you know what i mean right. and so i know that and i know i have a lot of good friends of mine that started jujitsu and social projects and they live abroad now you know there's mm. many many of them around the world and jujitsu was able to change that so i i always wanted to do something i didn't know how or, or when i would help here and there and then the idea uh, came around 2010 to make it like official, like, hey, I want to start something. And I feel that uh, I think everyone have a mission in life. Maybe if you listen to this and you haven't figured out, you do have, you do have the song, you know, the in your heart that you know that you you love singing, let's say, you know, and it takes maybe a little bit of the the personal development journey for you to discover, but you do. Maybe say Gustavo, I don't. You do. Maybe you just haven't found yet. And I just, I just found that mine was everything that I do in my life, business related. It needs to be related to inspire, impact, and improving lives. And if it's not related to that, I'd rather not to be involved with. So that could be with my either academy or promoting events or jujitsu tribe or podcast or coaching or whatever, everything is aligned with that. Right. And, and I just decided that, man, I want to, I want to do more. And there's not much going on with that aspect in jujitsu. You know, I think could have, like I said, uh, here in the U S if you think about it, there's not as many programs at all compared to, let's say, of course, Brazil, but like, here uh they have an incredible program in in tucson arizona higher ground uh mm. jensen he does an amazing job of being supported them for almost 10 years now and they start putting jiu-jitsu in a school district in tucson so oh, wow. he's doing a that's a hard one yes yes very much that's so. a very hard one yeah so this guy does an incredible job so of being supporting them but they don't have as many in u.s so we're trying to expand to, yeah, not mm -hmm. just Brazil. Um, I interview uh, Sam from uh, Sam Crook. He's done an incredible job in Cameroon. So now we're trying to get a sponsor to help with our program, Adopt a Social Project, so we can help some of those uh, some of those coaches. Because, man, again, a lot of the programs, they end because people need to get another job and like, dude, I love to keep teaching, right. but it's just right. not sustainable for me anymore. So that's kind of like we decided to go that route to keep introducing jujitsu. What's going to happen with them if they're going to one day become a, a competitor? Who knows? You know, mm. but it's not about the really the competition. It's about, like you said, you know, like just breaking those patterns. And then uh, for sure, competition when those kids, they get to travel and they they see a different country, they're mm. like, wow, okay. I thought I thought my world was just this here. I didn't know mm. there's such a thing. Uh, one thing that shocked me uh, when I was maybe two years ago, I was visiting one of the places in Bahia and beautiful town that I love. It's a small little town. 
and they have maybe like four social projects there. So I went to visit all of them. And, and it's, this is like, like a, like a little paradise, right? But this is like, and they have, they do have favelas too. So I was there and they were literally maybe 15 minutes from the beach. Nice beach, by the way, maybe 15, 10 to 15. And then the coach was telling me like, yeah, we're starting to get the kids are behaving more. We get in our van and we're taking them because they never been to the beach. They're like, what do you mean? Because it's, it's the yes. mindset of like the community. No, our life is here. Oh, mm -hmm. no, we're we're born. The fixed mindset of like, oh, we're born to stay here. We do everything here. So right. start to know, man, you can go out, you know, like for them to get out of the neighborhood. Imagine going out of the country, you know, so just going out of the neighborhood, like dude, the, the beach is 15 minutes away. You're not even aware that the, the thing exists, right. Right. you know, so things like that, you know, movements, things that those uh, not just coaches, but community leaders, a lot of them, they're incredible leaders, in, uh, community leaders, not just with the project, but with everything. And they do. So it's it's great for them to start to like they get curious, like for them to go to another city, they are so excited, you know, to go to a tournament. So they're excited to compete, but they're more excited, like, wow, I'm going to another city. So imagine another state, another country. So that is um life changing. It has so many stories of kids that I've seen doing that to have the opportunity to travel and it's and it's life changing. And sometimes Honestly, uh, we have people listening from everywhere in the world, but most people listen from the United States. And mm -hmm. I feel that a lot of people that have never left the U.S. Um, maybe sometimes take for granted what they have here. You know, I'm not saying that everyone, but I'm saying there are some people that are like, dude, the U.S. is a pretty incredible place to live, like right. straight up. Right. And I think sometimes people don't, don't realize so it's i think when we visit some of those places and visit some of those stories and you know uh, just help it to be even more grateful but at the same time like what can we do you know if everyone does a little bit like i said maybe one school donate one spot dude that's right. one kid that couldn't right. afford you never be able to train jiu-jitsu and i was training you know what i mean so did you have a chance i want to know more about the peru program Oh, absolutely. Have you ever chance to be there? No, no. I'm actually planning a trip down there. I know Peru's yeah. dealing with a little bit of civil unrest right now, so I'm trying to figure out the, the best time to go. Um, but no, there's so many things and tangents I kind of want to talk about. I mean, we've seen the same thing with, uh, you know, I've countless in Oakland kids that have never seen the ocean. You know, in Oakland, the, yeah. you know, they've seen the bay, but it's like how how can you have lived, you know, for the last 15 years plus or whatever and not have been to the ocean one time? You know, you just, it's like, it's, it's, it's shocking. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I'd say that the other thing is, you know, what you kind of brushed on uh, briefly is, you know, that I, I love the adopt a social project and it's, a, you know, I think it's a great idea to sort of have people that are in a position to help others kind of, you know, give a path to do so. Um, but one thing is just like, you know, the, the cost to help a kid is so low, you know, and, and that's one thing that, you know, it's, I, because I see it on both sides, like I, I am so appreciative of everyone who donates and, and is on this sort of mission of, you know, seeing what we do, and we get random, you know, people see a video or whatever. And, you know, it's like a place in like Minnesota, somebody donates or whatever. But you know, the reality too, is like that, you know, a person, if we if we have, um, you know, like a $5 donation, right. And like, you know, just a few people doing those, you know, really adds up. Exactly. And I think that that's almost like a, you know, it's a thing about jujitsu is like, this is such a life-changing sport. And it's, I, I don't think there's many things that like jujitsu in the sense that everyone does it is so bought in. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I, I kind of just, I, I feel like it, at, you know, Guardian's core, it's really, you know, kind of um, advocating for the sport and it's the kids that need our help. Um, and you know, if, if you have had your life changed by jujitsu, um, whether it's jujitsu tribe, whether it's guardian, whether it's, um, some other social project, or, you know, it's, I think it's almost like it's because we have seen how important jujitsu can be. It's almost like a, it feels important to me that we pass it forward, whether it's, you know, that sort of donation or whether it's even just trying to encourage your friends to try it, trying to make a white belt feel more welcome, you know, so they don't give up. Um, I, I just, I see jujitsu as this thing that the more it expands, the better the world is. Um, 
as far as our per program, because I got sidetracked there, uh, it's it's an incredible program. You know, the thing about the area um, in Mancor, it's a very um, impoverished area. And it's totally like you said, you know, some of the kids don't have running water. Um, it's, you know, it's just um, it's it's not the same life. And um, it's funny because there's a story in particular that I want to share from that program of a kid named Anderson. And uh, I remember when Anderson started training, uh, Salvador reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, I got this kid. He's blind. Um Wait, no, he's deaf. Sorry, he's deaf. And uh, he's, uh, he's not blind. Sorry, he's deaf. And he has these motor coordination issues. And, um, you know, he, I, he's like, I think I can get him to, you know, do jujitsu, it's going to be a little bit hard, it's going to, you know, and so um, he was, you know, training and Salvador was kind of sending me some progress. And then Salvador said he stopped coming. And so the story goes like he stopped coming in. And so um, Salvador reached out to his mom. And he was getting bullied and beaten up so badly so often in the streets and at school, he just didn't want to leave the house. So he was staying home because every time he went out, he was going to get picked on and legitimately beat up. Um, and it's worse than just like name calling. And so Salvador organized all the kids to come together. And, you know, he basically, you know, sat them all down. He's like, this is your brother. You need to protect him. And, you know, it's, it's important that you stand up for him. And so after that conversation with everybody, all the kids in school, in the neighborhoods, they all have his back. And he's been completely fine. He's back to training. He's going to be competing soon. That's but awesome. it's stories like this that are just like, you know, it's it's really that life-changing thing. And I think that that's what we sort of talk about because it's easy to kind of, you know, paint the picture of the discipline, the confidence, the aspects of jujitsu that are, you know, the mentorship and all this stuff. But this is life-changing. This is, you know, something that is going to take a kid from being depressed to giving them something to, you know, be fulfilling and to change their perspective on life. And it's, it's just, I, I can't speak to, you know, how important the work that, you know, jujitsu tribe, you know, all these people, and even all the academies across the world are doing that are, you know, unrelated to nonprofits of being a place where, you know, transformation can take place. Yeah, I just remember I, when I was in Brazil right now, I, I interviewed a mom, I was telling a story, one of the kids, also they were talking about mental health. And this kid's 11 years old and just being bullied really bad and then same, try to kill himself. 11 years old, you know, and did a lot of like had sessions with um, psychologists and stuff like that. And like they have some community people helping. Nothing was helping this kid. And they moved to this area where they have it's a rural area. They have nothing there. It's it's wild. Anyway, so. This kid, he's been training there for three months and he's a completely different person. Hmm. And the crazy thing I asked the mom, I'm like, how long did it take you to see the difference? And she's just like, it's just sad because she started training too. So she can connect with the son too. And she said three classes in three classes. Like he did 10 therapy sessions or whatever, nothing, nothing. But just like you said, you know, that feeling of belonging, even know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the love of being part of the group. No one's picking on them. He's like, I feel safe here. You know what I mean? I can relax here. You know what I mean? That it happens. Like I said, we, like you said, you just check so many boxes there, mm -hmm. but it could be a different sport, but just having that right. kind of environment that comes from the lead, from the leadership too of of the group but man it was so so impactful to to hear like three classes you know this kid started really making you know changes and is smiling and it's it's in incredible to see you know so there's so many so many stories with this so hopefully we would be able to share we'll be sharing some of them you know putting the videos mm -hmm. out so it'll be cool for people to watch um so let me just get a few few personal questions you're going to get uh, close to the end but one is what do you feel that it's one of the best piece of advice you've ever received? And when we talk about that, it's not just jujitsu, you know, that could be life, maybe a moment in your life that maybe you heard something. Mm. Um, just give us some time for it to kind of think about it. It could be something related to jujitsu or not, but what do you think? Hmm. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there's a few that come to mind. It's probably going to be related to jujitsu, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I, I had an instructor, Joey Thomas, uh, back at Claudio Franza and, you know, um, he, he basically just said, and this was kind of something I heard that resonated with me with a white belt that, you know, this is, um, it was a couple of things. It was that, you know, basically it's, it's totally not about, you know, um, how many medals you win, who you can, you know, who you can tap in the gym or anything like that. You know, it's about becoming a better person 
and that, you know, these mats are a pathway to a better life. And it's something that I resonated with, you know, hearing it right away. And it's something I, I strongly believe of just, you know, that the, if you just keep showing up, uh, things will continue to sort of start cycling in your favor. Um, as far as advice, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. I, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of perspective changes that I've had and, you know, um, I would actually, it's a weird way to answer this question, but I think that one of the pieces of advice that I give to my youth students very frequently um, that, you know, I hope kind of lands with them is just how important it is that they choose their circle wisely. And that I think that it's, you know, it's something that we battle, you know, when we sometimes uh, student stops coming in is that I think that, you know, they acclimate to their environment and they acclimate to the people around them. And that's why a jujitsu academy is so great is because it's filled with such driven people. And it's an environment that, you know, people are kind of pushing each other to succeed. And I think that, you know, it's it's kind of hard sometimes when we look, you know, we follow the social media accounts of some of the kids that don't stay in the program. Um, I mean, I've, you know, countless, I would say multiple uh, screenshots of kids holding guns on social media, you know, things like, um, you know, and just, and overall, just kind of like, I, and it just comes to, to me, it, it feels like their compass is off of, you know, what they should be prioritizing. And my compass used to be off too, but, um, you know, I think that it's just important that people audit who they're around and where those people are kind of going in life. Um, and, you know, just to, to kind of, uh, take note of that, um, if nothing else. So those are a couple of things. And what what kind of piece of advice would you give to the younger Calder when it started the jujitsu journey? You know what I mean? Like go back uh, there, anything like maybe what's something that you can probably even share with your students right now? But now as far as like developing right. jujitsu, you know? Right. So I won't say stretch more, but that's probably at the top of the list. Mm. Um, you know, I got definitely lucky with getting hooked on it. So I didn't need too much motivation to continue staying in classes. Um, you know, as far as, uh, I I'm, I'm not really too sure, you know, I think that I like competing, but my, my goal is to kind of really stay in the sport for a long time and, um, to, you know, just, it, it I had a knee surgery, um, last, uh, may I've still been out since then. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, or actually it was, it, my injury was in May, but, um, you know, just to, to take care of my body and to, you know, really recognize that this is, you know, I find such fulfillment with training on the mat that I need to make sure that I am, you know, taking care of myself um, today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and to be able to continue to basically um, obtain the benefits of, of the training. Um, so I would just say, you know, makes it really prioritizing your health uh, is probably one of the biggest ones and probably to stop drinking sooner than I did. Hmm. But, you, you know, you, do you have a, a great point of this? Because when you're younger, you recover a little faster, right? Mm -hmm. right <laughs> and right. it's, it's like just like, ah, yeah. it's fine. Nah, it's fine. I, I'm okay. Nah, nah. Right. You know, and for sure. But usually when you're younger, they're not going to click until like, the, you know, start getting just a little older to be like, oh, okay. You know, right. I, I do need to take care of my body a little better. Uh, do you like do you like reading, uh, listening to audiobooks? You... Um, I used to I used to do a lot more audiobooks. Um, and there's definitely been a few that I've you know kind of had profound. You know, um, the ancient art of stoic joy was uh one of my favorites. It's basically kind of a, um, I think it's called a guide to the good life. The ancient art of stoic joy. I'd have to look up the author, but it basically teaches a lot of these principles that are kind of almost like winning mindsets of like wanting what you already have. Um of, you know, there's this idea of uh, negative visualization, which is kind of an interesting one. I'll briefly kind of go over like the idea of kind of um, imagining what, you know, could happen that that would be bad. And it kind of gives you gratitude for the current moment. Um, nice. But I think there's a, you know, um, there's a lot in terms of, you know, kind of competition aspects and, you know, uh, that I got out of that. Um, any podcast that you listen to, but not necessarily just related, you know, any, anything that you listen to? I just I should be listening to more, but lately I haven't really been. Yeah, um, I don't I don't listen a lot. Sometimes when I see like Joe Rogan, there's someone that interests me right. a topic, I'll go there and I'll listen here and there, right. you know. Right, like uh, clips and stuff. Listen. Yeah, but I'll I'll listen to some full episodes depending who is uh who's talking, but you know, there's some of the that I listen to and audiobooks and stuff like that. And my last question is, you know, what is exciting right now? What's going on? Could it be with your life, with uh, guardian, what you got? Right. Oh man. I mean, guardians, guardians really exciting. I mean, I think that it's been, you know, so fulfilling to kind of, um, try to build, you know, this, uh, this scholarship out 
and um you know just the idea of basically getting more and more kids involved i i kind of think of like you know what's what's the overall goal and the, i mean the goal is to change as many lives as possible and the goal is to bring you know i think that this is really kind of not the goal of guardian but it's the goal that we share together it's like a mutual sort of mission goal is to um sort of universalize jujitsu for kids a little bit more i think it's so funny you know i hope i'm not getting too off tangent here but i think the current model of sports in this you know in the country um you know i can't speak for the the world but you know is, is really backwards in the sense of it's really what's good for the teams and that's what not what's good for the kids and that you know True. kids are coming into you know sports and you know, I mean, can you imagine at your academy if a kid was, you know, out of shape and came in and tried and then you're like, hey, buddy, you know, you can't train here. You know, you're, you're just not going to be a winner. Um, and that's that's sort of the attitude that we, you know, have gotten used to um, across the board. And it's it's really the kids that, um, you know, have been invested in in young age that are kind of, you know, the ones that are going to be more athletic and kind of naturally gifted and, you know, kind of kids are going to think that. Um, and so, you know, it's just I, I there I've it's also, you know, there's so many sports that, you know, they kids invest in, you know, they train really hard for four years, or maybe they go to college. And then after that, I have so many friends in high school that were really, you know, in shape, and now they're not doing any sports. So I think jujitsu is an interesting one for so many reasons that they can do it long term, that, um, you know, it kind of has this natural mentorship aspect where when kids are training with adults, I mean, I've gotten jobs when, when I was younger, you know, 18, 19, through people at the gym, it's very common that, you know, there's going to be an adult that is in some sort of career path that's willing to give a kid a chance or at least advice. Um, and so, the, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm almost trying to remember your, your question was what am I excited about? Um, you know, I think that, you know, we've kind of gotten to a point where we have, figured a lot out with guardian you know we've kind of uh, made a lot of mistakes and um, yes yes and um just in the sense of um being ready to sort of move forward and i just feel like we have such amazing i mean i would i'd love to talk about each and every one of them but such amazing partners right now that you know kind of bring their own unique um you know talents to the table for these kids um that i, I just feel like it's it's we're in a great place and i'm i'm looking forward to continuing to build and to make sure that more kids are getting taken care of. And it's, it's really, um, you know, I think that it's funny because last night I was talking to a roommate, you know, kind of talking about this podcast and just, you know, he's like, basically like, what's your why, you know, like, and I think, you know, I, I have strong feelings about how great jujitsu is and everything else. But I think the reason that I'm really driven is because I was a kid that was in that position that really didn't like who he was. And really, you know, when you're in that world, it's, it's really, it's just a sad place to be in. And it's, it's, um, it's pretty hard and so, you know, I, I genuinely believe that we can take a lot of kids out of that position um, through, you know, offering training and and really, you know, it's about creating better people. And I think that there's a um, an effect that happens too when people become, you know, um, better versions of themselves. They continue to spread it. So I think that there's, you know, it's funny too because I, there's a an academy we have in Mongolia where. Um, jujitsu instructors out there, they make as much as doctors. So, um, you know, you're basically, you know, when you're training these kids, you're giving them actually a trade school where they're able mm. to become instructors themselves, spread jujitsu further and also support their families. So I, I, I just, awesome. there's so many things, um, like that, you know, how, what would you, what would you answer that question with? As far as what is exciting going on or, or... sure. sure. Uh, exciting is that when you know, we're this 2023 i'm in a position to spend more of my time with the organization always been my kind of my side gig just doing way too many things and i feel so i'm excited that i'm able to put more time into the organization and getting those partnerships you know with the adopt a social project who did a a cool partner uh a partnership with browse so i saw that just finished yeah i was just finishing creating uh the first batch of of ghee so basically each ghee that we sell we produce a brand new ghee so we have a new a few ghees being being produced and uh to go to social projects so that oh, wow. is super exciting so now just trying to promote more you know mm. just give more more attention to the program to the adoptive social project and people that have more information one more information can always uh reach out to me and then i'll give um you know, more information for sure. But now let us know website, Instagram, what's the best oh, way to reach you guys. So yeah, Instagram simple at guardian gym um, websites, the same guardian Um Yeah. You can send us a DM uh, info at guardian gym.org um, reach out anything, you know, we'll definitely see it very soon. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I just, I feel very privileged to be on this journey with you in terms of like, you know, I, I love that we're kind of collaborating and I'm happy, you know, if you ever want to call and talk more about, you know, different ways that we've, you know, done things or um, kind of obstacles we've overcome or whatever else, you know, I think that Absolutely. it's very much a space where like, there's room for everyone at the table and um, that, you know, the, the more people that are into helping kids and especially with jujitsu um, that we are in full support. Awesome. So everyone, thank you so much, Carl. Appreciate your time. Just staying in line for, for a minute. And for everyone, just have an incredible day. If you have any questions, let us know. Uh, you can, you know, DM us at you know, uh, Instagram. Want more information, want to help out. Um, man, we're, we're here to make an impact. So if you want to help, just let us know. Everyone, have a great day. Talk to you all later. Uz. Thank you so much, Gustavo. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and please check out Jiu-Jitsu Tribe as well. I mean, you guys are doing great things. Thank you, guys. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.